take your Bibles and turn to James chapter 4, please. James chapter 4. I want to direct your attention just to two verses tonight for our text. Verses 11 and 12. James chapter 4, verse 11 and verse 12. I'll say it again for those of you who haven't quite started listening yet. James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Follow along with me as I read. The Bible says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who art thou that judgest another? There are certain sins that we as Christians have no difficulty recognizing as evil. You know, we wouldn't at all disagree that murder is evil. We would easily recognize and condemn adultery. We would say homosexuality is evil. We would say theft you know, things like that. There's all kinds of sins that as Christian people, we don't have any difficulty recognizing as bad, as wrong. In our text tonight, though, we find a sin being described that the Bible condemns in terms uh, as unambiguously or unsparingly as it describes any other sin. Uh, but we as Christians sometimes react to this particular one in a far different spirit from the way that we would react towards other sins. Like, we find out that this is going on, and it's like, <gasps> how awful, right? Versus other things that we don't view in the same light or to the same degree, and we don't have the same reaction to that we would others. This is a sin that we tend not to think of being as quite so bad as others, or rather, here's what we'll do, we'll relabel it or we'll rename it so as to justify it as no sin at all. Okay, you following me here? That's what we'll have a tendency to do. And it doesn't bother us to find this kind of a sin, you know which sin I'm talking about because verse 11 simply says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. Uh, this is something the Word of God commands us not to do. And it doesn't bother us to find this kind of a sin in our midst quite as much as it would to find others. In fact, it's often a sin that people enjoy to our shame. And the reason they do is because often it makes them feel better about themselves to some degree and in some way. It's the sin of speaking evil one of another. The title of the message tonight is Speak No Evil. These verses, verses 11 and 12, they're tied back to verse 1. Interesting that verse 1 says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? That's a great question that James asks. Where do wars and fightings come that, are, that happen among you? 
Well, this could be one of those places. Speaking evil one of another has a tendency to stir up strife and cause division, cause wars, and cause uh, 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 um, unrest amongst the brethren. The previous verses before verse 11, they deal with the issue of pride. Um, Pride is at the root of this very sin as well, speaking evil one of another. And if we're honest, we'll see that such an action, that kind of behavior is always rooted in a prideful desire to elevate or advance myself in some way. That's typically the root of gossip. That's the root of slander. The command here is not to speak evil of a brother, not to hypocritically judge a brother or sister in the Lord. That's the basis of this verse here. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. And so those are the basic commands here. The phrase, speak evil, the basic meaning of it is simply to slander. But it carries with it the meaning of to talk against, to defame one, to talk down to another. Okay? When you talk down to another, where are you placing yourself in relation to them? You follow that? The meaning here, to speak evil one of another, carries the meaning of defaming, to talk down. It carries the meaning of harsh words about a person who is absent. It has that meaning too, that hint of a meaning. Often that's usually when uh, speaking evil happens. We speak evil of someone who's not present. We're talking about somebody, in other words. It's the idea of talking about one person to another person, often with the goal of lowering your listener's estimate of that other person. So the reason I'm telling you this or talking about this is so that it'll create an impression in your mind that causes you to think lesser of that individual, that person. Okay, you following that? That's the, that's the meaning that this has here. And so typically, it'll go something like this. I'm in a conversation. I'm talking with this friend of mine. We're talking about another person when they're not around to defend themselves over the issue we're talking about. Usually in that conversation, there's very little concern with being completely accurate as to everything that was said and how it was said and the meaning behind it. Often in those times, we'll exaggerate a little bit, we'll embellish a little bit to make the point sound more dramatic, we'll use words in that conversation that were never actually used in the first place when that other person was around. Well, they meant this. When in reality, we have no idea what their motive was or what uh, was behind it all. We think we know, but we don't really know. And so in order to make this person that I'm talking to see my point and agree with me and be on my page, I'm going to say it just like this to create an impression about this individual here. 
What was it that Brother Humphrey said on Sunday? I'm not preaching until it gets really quiet in here. There's very little concern with complete accuracy. There's exaggeration, there's embellishments, there's words that were never actually used, etc., etc., all for the purpose of trying to, trying to create an image or an impression on other people's minds concerning this person or individuals, etc., etc. This is what speaking evil one of another really basically means. That's the heart of it. And James gives us a clear instruction to not do that. Usually all of that that I just described is neatly wrapped up in a thin, phony veneer of this. Well, I don't really mean to be critical, but... Or, hey, we're just discussing facts. This is what happened. When in reality, what we're discussing is simply slander or speaking evil one of another. That's how we justify it. So it's as it's no sin at all. Why do we do this? Because the truth is, we do this. Why do we do this? The reason we do it, maybe one of the reasons, there could be others, but one of the reasons we do it is that we pridefully imagine ourselves as superior in some way to this other person or Christian. And it leads to us putting others down with our words in various ways because we somehow think that we're better than them. James says, don't speak evil one of another. So you kind of have the idea of what that means. But then he says, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. The word judge here it means to decide. It means to determine and to be the one who pronounces condemnation. Okay? So we take it upon ourselves to be the judge, to, to be the one to pronounce condemnation. And somebody might say, well, Pastor, I don't judge others when I'm simply discussing what they said or what they did. These are just facts. Ah, okay. But in order to judge rightly, in order to be accurate, we have to know all that there is to know about something. It requires the complete and full understanding about the person's thoughts, the person's motives, that there's no possible way that we could actually know, and actually only God is the one who possesses that ability. Jesus cautioned about hypocritical judgment in Matthew chapter 7. Just keep your place here. Let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. There is righteous judgment, but Jesus cautions against hypocritical judgment. And he says, judge not, in verse 1, judge not that ye be not judged. By the way, this is probably one of the most misunderstood verses in all the Bible. But let me also tell you this, this is probably one of the most misobeyed or not obeyed verses in the Bible as well by Christian people. 
He said, Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? Listen, buddy, you got a problem with this. And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. It's interesting the words that are used. They're basically words of comparison. You know, a, a beam is that, that, that giant support beam uh, that holds the load, that, that, that is, uh, carries the, the weight and so on. And the moat is like a piece of straw. You could say it's like a splinter in comparison. And Jesus says here, he says, you're a hypocrite. You need to get the beam out of your own eye first so that you can see clearly to be able to help your brother get the mote out of his eye, the splinter out of his eye. He says, why do you, why do you behold the problem in your brother, but you don't consider the fact that you've got the same or the bigger one in your own life? That's the kind of thing that, that Jesus is talking about here. And basically... What it comes down to is the attitude and the pride is keeping us from seeing our own life clearly, which is why we feel justified to be able to go ahead and judge other people. Because we can't see our own life clearly. Because if we did, we wouldn't be doing that. The thing we're discussing in those kinds of moments as a problem within others we ought to stop for a second and consider whether or not that very same evil is hiding inside of me somewhere, just in another form. Does that make sense? So we'll highlight and talk and discuss about this thing that's the problem, but we don't stop to think that maybe that very same thing or, or whatever is in my own life, but just in another form. So the command is, don't speak evil or slander or talk down to others. And don't hypocritically judge your brothers in the Lord. That's a weighty one and a powerful one. That we shouldn't put on the bottom or, you know, on the bottom shelf is like, oh, that's one of the small little things. But, you know, there's these other sins that are, whoa. Now, the Bible talks about them to the same degree. These verses in our text, go back to James 4, they tell us what we do whenever we engage in evil speaking with respect to fellow believers. And I want to draw just a few things out here from these two verses tonight as we speak on this subject, speak no evil. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you'd just use your word in our life and Lord, that we would humbly receive uh, its instruction. Lord, that all of us, including myself, Lord, that we would examine our heart and our mind and be honest with ourselves and with the Lord and with the Word of God. Let the Word of God be the plumb line, the rule, the measure, the standard by which we 
are judged against and not uh, our own thinking or comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. Father, I pray that you'd use your word to, Lord, to draw us closer to you, Lord, to make us more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So what do we do whenever we engage in evil speaking with respect to fellow believers? The first thing we find here is in verse 11, the first part. He says, speak no evil or not evil one of another, brethren. Brethren. The first thing that we do is we make ourselves out to be against our own brothers and sisters in the Lord. James says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. What he does is establishes our family relationship with each other as Christians, as brothers, as sisters. And he uses the word for brothers three times in verse 11 alone. And when he uses it, he reminds us that we have a common kinship. As brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're part of the same family. And when we speak evil one of another, we're setting ourselves against our own family. He reminds us that we have a common kinship and that we're brought together into the family of God as His children if we're saved. But doubly so, friends, doubly so, brethren, if we're members of the same body. And it ought not so to be. Think of the forms that evil speaking can take one toward another. Sometimes... We set ourselves against our own family when we outright tell lies about somebody else. In order to make ourselves look better or to make them look worse, we embellish or we'll take and twist and we'll put a spin on something and we'll actually turn what could be a true thing into a lie to disparage them even more or to somehow make ourselves look better. That's a form of evil speaking. You know what? We can manipulate the telling of a truth by what I just said, putting a spin on it. That's not actually what they meant, but here's what they said, and here's how it could have meant, and this, I'm putting the spin on it so that that true thing actually turns into a lie. Or, or we'll leave things out that ca- on purpose that causes that causes others to have a distinct impression left in their minds. You know what I'm talking about? We can share something with other people as true before we've ever really investigated it to find out if it's actually true. Oh, I heard this. And I go tell somebody, do you know what they said? Do you know what they did? This is how it went without actually investigating it to find out if it really, really is true, we'll go and share that with other people. Or we can share something that is in fact true, and it's been investigated, but we'll simply share it, and we don't even need to, needlessly sharing things. That's evil speaking against brothers and sisters in the Lord. And listen, friends, we, before, we, before we start to justify that, because the fact is we do it, we do, 
I do it too. To my shame, I don't want to. And I try not to. But the fact is, we do this. And before we start to justify it, and before we start to you know, dismiss it, or make it not as serious as it is, we need to understand that these behaviors, the things that I've just described, are typical of the devil himself. Because the Bible tells us in John chapter 8 and verse 44 that the devil is a liar. He's the father of it, and when he speaks, he speaks a lie. The Bible tells us that the devil spins the truth. He does it often. He's a master counterfeiter. And you remember what he did to Eve in the garden? He took what God had said and he spun it to make it sound different and appear different and deceived Eve. The devil eagerly and continually accuses the brethren, the Bible says, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10. He's an accuser of the brethren. These are behaviors that are typical of the devil himself. How evil, then, for us to speak evil one of another or judge hypocritically our brother. So the first thing that we do is we set ourselves against our own family. And when we ought to be, because we're a family... We ought to be the most loyal and the most helpful uh, to, to, to those people as we are to anyone because they're family. But oftentimes, family are the ones who we hurt the most. The second thing that we do, look at the second part of verse 11. The second thing that we do is we put ourselves in a place of authority that is actually only God's. In the second part of verse 11, he says, He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. We put ourselves in a place of authority that is only God's. The law that James is probably referring to here would have been the royal law. He actually mentions it in chapter 2 of James, to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you've kept the royal law, you've loved your neighbor as yourself, you've done well, and so on. That's what he says. That's probably what he's referring to. But James says here, when you speak evil against your brother, what are you going to do? Are you going to set yourself above the law of God as, it, as if it doesn't apply to you? Or are you going to say that it's a bad law, that you know better than God? That you're able to judge more rightly than God does? Well, there's only one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy is what James says. Obviously, he's referring to Jesus Christ here as the final judge. 
But notice that he says there's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Why is he able to save or to destroy? Why is Jesus Christ, the one lawgiver, the one who's able to save or to destroy? How can he do that? Because he's the only one who really knows everything and knows every detail and knows all the thoughts and knows all of the motives of anybody's heart. He knows people. We don't. That's why he's the one who can justly judge. He's the one who can save or destroy. So, when we're trashing other people for something that we don't like, and we're just so sure about what's happening here, or what they meant, remember that it is highly probable that we don't have all the information on it, and we could very well and very easily be mistaken We certainly can be partial to the situation based on how we feel about something, and we can easily be misled. Only God knows the real facts. Because we can't see into a person's heart. We cannot see what they're actually thinking. Only God can do that. And when we judge... We put ourselves in a place of authority that it's only for God. I read something that A.W. Tozer wrote. And it was entitled, Avoiding Spiritual Deformity. And he said this, There are areas in our lives where in our effort to be right, we may go wrong so wrong as to lead to spiritual deformity. To be specific, let me name a few. When in our determination to be bold, we actually become brazen. Courage and meekness are compatible qualities. Both of those were found in the perfect proportion in Christ Jesus and both shown in beauty in his conflict with his enemies. Peter before the Sanhedrin and Paul before Agrippa demonstrated both of these qualities, courage and meekness. Though on another occasion when Paul's boldness temporarily lost its charity and became carnal, he said to the high priest, he said, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. It is to the credit of the apostle that when he saw what he had done, he immediately apologized in Acts 25, verses 1 through 5. Secondly, we can go wrong in this when in our desire to be frank, we become rude. Candor without rudeness was always found in the man Christ Jesus. The Christian who boasts that he always calls a spade a spade, he always calls it like it is, is likely to end by calling everything a spade. Even the fiery Peter learned that love does not blurt out everything that it knows. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. A third way that we can go wrong is when in our effort to be watchful, we become suspicious. Because there are many adversaries. The temptation is to see enemies where none exist. 
Because we're in a conflict with error, we tend to develop a spirit of hostility to everyone who disagrees with us on anything. Satan cares little whether we go astray after false doctrine or merely turn sour in the Christian faith. Either way, he wins. Only Jesus, the God-man, is qualified to be the judge of people. Now, we can have righteous judgment, but it comes only as it lines up with the Word of God. The tendency is to hypocritically judge. And he alone has full wisdom and full insight into the thoughts and motives of people. We need to keep that in mind. We might think we know what's going on. We might have a pretty good gauge on it. But that's going to be tempered with humility. It's going to be tempered with, but for the grace of God, there go I. It's going to be tempered with speaking the truth, but in love. There's the difference. And sometimes we will, maybe not even intentionally, but we'll put ourselves in a place of authority that only belongs to God. A third thing that we see here, if you go back to our text, is the second part of verse 12. Notice what he says. Who art thou that judgest another? When we speak evil one of another, we judge our brother hypocritically. What we're doing here is we're ignoring or excusing our own faults and our own failures. He says, Who art thou that judgest another? We ignore or excuse our own faults and our own failures. James' literal words in the Greek are very emphatic here. We might read it that says, Who art thou that judgest another? But those are very emphatic words. In Greek, the personal pronoun is placed first in a sentence. So this would read something like this. Hey, you there! Who do you think you are? That's how it would read. It's very emphatic. It turns, what it does is it turns the spotlight away from others because we can easily justify by putting spotlight on others and not on ourselves. And that emphatic statement turns the spotlight away from others and puts the full force on us. Who do you think you are? It's very easy for us to overlook our own self-righteous attitudes. That's the bottom line. And when we have to have our say about things, we have to have an opinion about everything, we'll often jump to wrong conclusions And the words that come out of our mouth are based on the faulty conclusions that we've already drawn. Therefore, the words that we're saying are also wrong. Okay? Love for brethren, love for my family, love for one another 
causes me to understand that I don't have to blurt out everything that I think I know. It's okay to bite your tongue. It's okay to not say anything. It's okay to not have to have an opinion about everything that somebody else does or says. I'm not going to say that. Listen, I guess here comes, here's the bottom line. There's a lot of hurts that are caused by Christians thinking that speaking their mind boldly is the way to be all the time. But if that is unfiltered and it's without wisdom, it can cause hurt and it can destroy. Oh, I'm just taking the facts. I'm just telling you the facts. No, you're not. You're slandering. You're speaking evil. So am I. Love for the brethren is different. It has a different attitude that realizes I am not without my faults. I don't know all the facts. I don't know all the motives. I can't really see. So this may be, might, might be what is true, but it's very tempered here, and it controls what comes out of my mouth next. Does that make sense? So, what should we do then? about this sinful tendency in us. What should we do? Well, first of all, we should repent of it, of the sin of gossip and slander when it's occurred. We should repent of it. We need to stop doing it. That's basically and literally what James is saying here when he says, speak no evil one of another. The grammar of that phrase basically is simply saying, stop speaking against one another, brethren. He's assuming that it's already going on, and he commands it to stop. It needs to stop. Where do wars and fightings come from among you? Right there. Stop it. Just stop it. We need to ask God to show us where we've offended Him, where we've injured others in this sin. And we need to allow His Spirit to apply that conviction to us where it's necessary. Ephesians talks about let all wrath and anger and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That evil speaking is a different word, but it carries some of the very same meanings. And the command of Ephesians is to put it away from you. We need to ask the Lord to help us see where we have offended Him or where, where we've injured others and allow the Spirit of God to apply that conviction in our life. Because in reality, what we ought to want to do 
is encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord and to build them up in the Lord, even if they have faults, but so do I. Second thing we need to do is to gently, lovingly, but firmly confront it when we see it going on. When we hear open slander, we ought to say something like this. You know what? I need to excuse myself from this conversation. I don't want to be a part of it. And leave. Just leave. Or when we hear gossip being shared with us about somebody else, we should say, have you talked about that with that person yet? That usually will put an end to the gossip right there. And you can do it graciously too. And then thirdly, what we need to do is replace that practice with what God would do instead. Replace it in our life with what the Lord Jesus would do instead. It helps us to look at Jesus' life. He was God in human flesh. He had more knowledge of people's personal dirty laundry than anybody did. He displayed that when he, when he was intimately aware of the innermost thoughts and the private actions of people that he came into contact with. You remember in Matthew chapter 9, in dealing with the Pharisees, Jesus was doing a good work. And the Bible says in verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? As John said, in John chapter 2, that Jesus knew all men, and he knew what was in their heart. And yet nowhere do we find Jesus gossiping or slandering specific people, not even his enemies. What we do find is that as Jesus grew, even from a boy, the Bible says that he increased in wisdom and stature, and he increased in favor with God and with men. As we grow in our Christian life, so should we increase in favor with God and men. What we do find is that people wondered at the gracious words which came from Jesus' mouth. Can that be said of us? You're a gracious person. Instead of maybe telling me and giving me exactly what I probably deserve, you're very kind and gracious in the words you speak. What we do find in Jesus' life is that his life was characterized by a perfect balance. The Bible says that he was full of grace and truth. Even while on the cross, surrounded by evil, surrounded by wicked mockers, he didn't rail back at his enemies, but he simply prayed for them. Father, forgive them. And when we consider how the Son of God restrained himself from speaking evil of people, listen, it starts to put me to shame, who says that I'm a follower of Christ. I think the bottom line here 
is that we should just ask the Lord to help us and make us more like Him. Make us more like Him, full of grace and truth, growing in favor with men. Amen? The things that I say, the way I respond to people, the way that I talk, Lord, I want it to be like you, gracious, helpful. And when those legitimate troubles or problems come up, instead of exacerbating them, sometimes we just need to stop, not say anything, and just pray for one another instead. Spend more time praying for someone than talking about someone. Amen? And Lord, help me to do the same thing. Speak no evil. You're speaking against your family. And it ought not so to be. Let's pray. Lord, use your word in our life here tonight. And may these truths be applied as the Spirit of God would in every heart and I can't see into people's hearts and I can't see their thoughts and I can't see their motives and I'm not going to pretend to and I don't want to judge people. Lord, I'm just going to look at my own life and ask you to help me in those areas that I'm weak, that my heart is challenged to be better. to be more like Christ, and we need your grace to do that. Lord, bless our church and our family and bring a sweet spirit of unity among brethren so that the work of Christ is not hindered corporately or individually so that Christ is magnified as well. In Jesus' name, amen.